chapter eleven of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. natalie page by catherine haviland taylor chapter eleven strange noises are heard saturday night could not have been regarded as restful in fact a great many things happened beside the bracelet sliding in my room in that strange way i managed to get up enough courage to get out of bed and put it away after an hour or so when i at last did get to sleep it was way past midnight and i slept jerkily every once and again i would find myself sitting up reaching for my flashlight and staring at that spot near my bed where the chumel bracelet had lain then i would lie back feeling sick trembling and breathing hard i couldn't seem to help this at twelve thirty evelyn let out a terrible yell there is no other word for this and things began to move even amy and i got up this time feeling that we would not be suspected aunt penelope with her hair done in a tight wad at the back of her head was bending over evelyn and saying well can't you tell me what upset you and evelyn kept gasping no no the hateful thing he put how could he oh how could he then she stopped surveyed her hand and gasped some more what did he put aunt penelope questioned but evelyn would only say let me alone between asserting that she was sure she was going to have hysterics and gasping and she told her mother that that flower paste on her hand was adonis cream and then she began to moan we had not realized that she would blame him and we began to feel worried well they got her feet in hot water and aunt penelope held the smelling salts under her nose and even uncle archie joined the crowd and i think it is the only time that i ever saw aunt with him when she didn't ask him for money what's up he asked looking at evelyn who had closed her eyes and was leaning back against the chair in a limp sick way if you can tell me said aunt penelope irritably i will be grateful i am aroused from my sleep by hearing evelyn scream and i get here and she won't explain and mother gasped evelyn if you keep this up i will have hysterics i am in no mood to bear it oh the feeling huh grunted uncle archie and paddled off to bed then aunt told us to stay with evelyn while she hunted the aromatic spirits of ammonia and we settled down to listen to her gasp we felt sorry but it was sort of funny and especially when she said is nothing true is nothing sacred and i suppose she meant that that basket should have been too hallowed to him to fill with flour paste amy giggled and then said she felt nervous and that made it but evelyn didn't hear her so it didn't matter she was too busy being dramatic to think she whispered that i believed him thought it real and then as they say in fiction she laughed hollowly after this she calmed and while we were waiting for aunt penelope's return the noise came a scratching noise on the window-sill in my room what's that evelyn gasped sitting up and quite forgetting to be limp i don't know i answered but my heart began to pump for i was afraid i did i felt that it was connected with my bracelet and i later found that i was right i stood up and tried to go to my room but my knees didn't work well 
they seemed to think that they were castanets and that i wanted them to play a tune i didn't but that didn't influence them amy began to cry hush said evelyn and she leaned forward and in the stillness we listened there would be a scraping sound then a lull and then another long grating rasping sound and on top of this suddenly there were two raps somehow i reached the door which led to the small hall that connected the rooms and from here i almost shouted what do you want and then after one rap and the splintering sound of wood the noises stopped i sank down in a chair by the door and bit my lips to steady them when i looked at amy she was biting too but at her nails and as if they must all be shortened just as far as possible in ten seconds she looked terribly intent and funny i saw that even then evelyn had got one foot out of the tub and held it dripping in mid-air she had her left hand over her heart then aunt penelope came back looking as white as a sheet and carrying the bottle of ammonia upside down in one hand uncorked too and the ice-pick in the other did you hear it she whispered and then she went over to evelyn and said drink this immediately immediately and gave her the ice-pick but no one laughed then there was an awful noise and every one screamed but the voice of uncle archie was heard to say something that i cannot quote and every one was reassured he had only run into an onyx pedestal which has leonardo da vinci's or raphael's i've forgotten which flying mercury on it he had encountered this in the dark in a moment he stood in the doorway rubbing his shins and muttering what's up he asked if you will tell me rattled aunt penelope so fast you could hardly hear her words i shall be grateful we must all be calm amy stop biting your nails you drive me crazy i was in the pantry when it began in natalie's room i think evelyn put your foot back in the tub the water is dripping all over the rug and i heard it and phew granted uncle archie and went toward my room in it we heard him turn on the lights and put up the window which opened on the small iron balcony from which one can lower a fire escape if necessary trembling we followed him evelyn didn't even stop to wipe her feet and we saw that the window-sill was splintered and that there were deep dents in it as if someone had pounded in a huge nail and then pulled it out more thieving said aunt we must be calm i am going to faint i know i am evelyn get your bedroom slippers there seems to be no safety no calm but if you will just try to hold on to control and then somehow amy got tangled up in the telephone cord and pulled the telephone from the table and the table over with it and aunt simply screamed uncle archie was tired he said he was going to live at the club if things didn't change and the frank way he talked diverted every one for a few moments then after a half hour more every one went to bed but the lights were all left on and no one slept much before i went to bed i looked for the bracelet which i was surprised to find undisturbed we had a very late breakfast the next morning and we all had it together and really had a good time even evelyn was pleasant and it was the last time for ages that she was nice to me we had the sunday papers to look at uncle archie gets a great many and we all had a section and commented on the pictures and that made talk evelyn became greatly interested in a group of pictures of some important spanish people who had been visiting new york on some mission someone had taken them to see the jumout mansion because of course it is a great show-place and outside of this a reporter had snapped them i felt sure that senorita margarita angela blanco y chiapa was the little spanish woman who had so greatly admired the jumel bracelet and who had so extravagantly voiced her admiration in her liquid tongue by her was a tall very handsome man who looked down 
and he was a cuban sugar king it said under the picture his name was vincente alcon e rodriguez evelyn and i decided he admired margarita a great deal his look at her made the picture very interesting then of course there were two or three others standing on the steps and one walking toward the camera with one foot in mid-air and a swinging arm blurred that has to happen in every group photograph we fooled around this way until about a quarter of twelve and then because the day was lovely amy and i decided to take a walk and evelyn who hadn't an engagement before three said she'd go with us so we all put on our outdoor things and started out evelyn was just as pleasant as she could be and we had a lovely time and i can't think why she isn't that way always since everyone likes her so much when she is kind but once in a while she was quiet and seemed absent-minded and during one of these attacks amy whispered we'll have to fix it she thinks it was him i nodded and i agreed we really didn't want to hurt her or to make trouble we only wanted to have a little fun she does raise such cane that it is hard not to frighten her if one hasn't good opportunity and of course if you have initiative you cannot help making your opportunities the day as i said was lovely and made being out great fun there was a high wind which swept your skirts around you made you draw deep breaths and fight to walk against it evelyn didn't like it so much but amy and i did thoroughly then a great many men chased hats and most of them were fat and bald which added to the interest of the stroll and we saw men taking photographs of people on the street they go around doing this on sundays and holidays especially some of the people looked funny while they were being taken and we enjoyed that although of course we didn't let them see that we did after a long half hour of this evelyn said she was tired and we turned toward home at the corner we encountered mr herbert apthorpe who is part owner of the basket he fell into step with us evelyn icily presented him to me he greeted me casually and then spoke to her i hope you aren't tired after last night he said evelyn had gone to a party with him and he referred to that but she understood it in a different way of course i'm tired she replied and it was the most horrible experience of my life he looked baffled as any one would and not exactly flattered although amy and i were sorry we couldn't help giggling for it was so funny to see them evelyn glared at him and he did nothing but swallow he had been grinning at her in a silly way for a few moments after they met sort of as if he didn't want to but couldn't help it and that made me agree with amy about their mutual interest but soon his grin faded i think he swallowed it i never saw anyone do so much swallowing his adam's apple looked like a monkey on a stick i never pretended that i could dance he said stiffly evelyn ignored this then he looked at us and i felt in his look a great lack of cordiality i'm sure he wished that we weren't there but we were glad we were i cannot see he said i do not understand and then evelyn actually allowed herself a sneer you alone she said understand my horror of slimy things you alone know about the receptacle i suppose she thought receptacle would stall us but it didn't and so she finished coldly the role of innocent is absurd to assume evelyn he said and the way he said it was really dramatic and then her voice shaking she ended with i am at a loss to comprehend your ideas of humour mr apthorpe and i must request that you do not ask me to comprehend any of your moods hereafter and then with head held high she swept into the door and we followed her we were really proud to know her for she had done it so beautifully but we were sorry too and decided to fix it up when we had time however the violets made it worse i warned amy against taking them but she would since they had an orchid in them and she wanted to dazzle a girl she doesn't like but was going to take driving however that happened monday at two on sunday mr kempwood sent me up a little ivory elephant that i had liked to keep and a magazine which he loaned me because it had some letters in it from captain roger morris 
mrs amherst morris had written the article and it appeared in the hertfordshire magazine for november nineteen o seven in one letter he said god almighty grant that some fortunate circumstance will happen to bring about a suspension of hostilities as for myself i breathe only peace i can have none until i am back with you how much i miss you your repeated marks of tender love and esteem so daily occur to my mind that i am totally unhinged only imagine that i who as you well know never thought myself so happy anywhere as under my own roof have now no home and am a wanderer from day to day and that did make me feel sorry for him i think his wife who mr kempwood says was a famed beauty and a toast of that day for men drank toasts to women then if they liked them must have been kind as well as pretty for a man may love a woman first for the loveliness of her skin or her eyes or her hair but he loves her long for only one thing and that is the beauty of her spirit in another letter he called her his dearest life which i think must have gratified her and in this he wrote my chief wish is to spend the remainder of my days with you whose prudency is my great comfort and whose kindness in sharing with patience and resignation those misfortunes which we have not brought upon ourselves is never failing i was interested in those letters i think the way they express themselves in other days is fascinating and shows perhaps more clearly than anything else the changes that have come to men and women mr vernon castle's letters to his wife were not at all like that evelyn cut some of those out of a magazine and i am quite sure if a man was in captain roger morris circumstances to-day he would write dear old girl i do hope things will clear up in a hurry for i would like to get home you can bet or something like that you cannot imagine the average new yorker of to-day calling his wife dearest life after i read the magazine i decided i would go out again for i have never got over the stuffy feeling that indoors gives me i feel as if i am only half breathing so i put on my things and started out in a queer way the jumel mansion beckoned to me i felt as if i must go there i suppose it is my nervous dread of what may happen next to my bracelet that almost makes me visit it but anyway whatever it is when i walk i find myself turned toward it and before i know it there and when i first reached it i was so glad i had decided to go for i found mr kempwood coming up the long walk from amsterdam avenue and he waved to me and i waited i thanked him as hard as i could for the elephant he told me that he had put a little charm on that elephant and that i was to keep it as long as i liked him and when i stopped i must return it for in such case his wish or charm would have to break i said it was mine for life for i was sure i would always care for him and his friendship very soberly he said please do and then after a long breath the wind was high again and i suppose he felt it he asked me where i was going i told him to the jumel mansion washington's headquarters and the roger morris house he said i was a clever person to do it all at once which was a joke as they are all one suppose he said we sit down outside or is it too cold for you i replied that it wasn't and we climbed the high steps and settled on a green bench which faces the jumel mansion porch and mr kempwood talked and made me see things look over there he said i looked i saw nothing until he spoke again and made me pretend and suddenly i seemed to see there is an elegant carriage he said for elegant is what they said in those days but the horses heads droop for they have come all the way from new york to enable the charming polly to see the spot where she will live she has got out roger she says i think it is a grand sight and most beautiful we shall be situated and he mutters dearest heart of hearts but under his breath for mrs robinson is with them 
the river's so calm flowing mary philips morris or the charming polly continues but is it prudence for us to have two establishments my husband anything you wish and that i can give you is prudence he responds gallantly and mrs beverly robinson who has overheard a bit of this puts in with the air my dear for you and the children is worth a deal often i have remarked to beverly since our living part time at dobbs ferry how did we stand the entire year within the strict confines of the crowded town i smiled at mr kempwood and said i liked that for i had a lot what did she have on i asked um he muttered and frowned stumped he confessed and laughed i suppose she wore a cap he continued for they did at about twenty-seven in those days and a sky-blue satin frock all quilted and made very tight around the waist fitted you know low-necked and with a lace ruffle which fell over her shoulders would that do nat i liked his calling me nat i told him so it made me think of uncle and i told him that too well he said i like your liking it but i don't like my reminding you of your uncle and then he poked around in the gravel at his feet with his cane he seemed to be thinking pretty hard and i didn't interrupt him after a while he asked if i thought thirty-three very old and i said i didn't although i really did but i judged he was thirty-three and he is however i've come to know that age is misleading for he is quite as young as i am inside the years have only added niceness to him after another silence i asked him to go on and he did there's a group on the porch he said and in front of this stands a man called washington he is staring off toward new york which is a huge city of some thirty thousand souls there is a tired sag to his shoulders and discouragement shows in every line of his figure he rubs his hand across his eyes see probably he hasn't slept well for worries will make even a good bed hard he has been made commander-in-chief of the army recently it seems john adams urged this at the second continental congress in philadelphia in seventeen seventy five the way things are going makes him unhappy nervous true he had driven the british from boston which they had held about two years and they were also whipped out of north and south carolina but now they are turning their attention to new york the hudson river and lake champlain washington has guessed that they hope to divide the north and the south and so he has mustered troops and hurried them here it has been a military headquarters before and so he does not have to ask permission for its use from mrs roger morris that might embarrass him for it was said that he once entertained rather tender sentiments toward that lady i wonder if he's thinking of her now do you think so nat mr kempwood stared toward the porch and i did too if he is i said i hope his wife won't know it for she is probably worrying about him and it would be discouraging to worry about a man who is romancing over a lost love mr kempwood agreed forgotten martha he said all apologies he is thinking of her see him take a wallet out of his pocket and pretend to look at a map well under that there's a silhouette he's looking at that i nodded for i liked that better i'm sure he loved her i said probably he looks back at his younger affair and says in truth i was a young idiot to think my heart did pound a merry tune for her who now wears two chins where but one should be mr kemp would like that what made him discouraged i asked anything in particular yes answered mr Kempwood the day before some of his troops from connecticut turned and fled in utter terror the british had landed in new york and our boys hearing this had let their imaginations get the best of them there were only sixty of the foe but nothing could induce our poor soldiers to stand up to them 
horse whippings and they were whipped by every one from washington down had no effect they simply turned and fled you know he said with a meaning look at me imagination can make lots that isn't worth notice grow very gruesome i smiled and nodded then i looked down at my bracelet the battle of harlem heights came somewhere along there he went on i don't know quite when but our soldiers fought well after that one day of fright and redeemed themselves the british after that for a little space took the affair as a joke and when they started out to fight one day blew bugles to indicate that it was in the nature of a hunt but they didn't do that more than once was general washington here very long i asked as i looked up at the porch and seemed to see him no mr kempwood answered only thirty-three days after that the british took possession when you think of what those old walls have seen and heard mr kempwood paused then he stood up smiled down at me and i knew that history was over my dear child he said that breeze is too strong i am sure that your tam will have rheumatism i should feel so sorry if it grew stiff i like to see it waving in the wind shall we go in for a little while i said i thought it would be fine and we did as we stood before the portrait of madame jumel and her niece and nephew i began to feel cold and frightened mr kempwood pointed out the break in the canvas and i couldn't help feeling a little scornful toward the boy weak i said mr kempwood like most people misunderstood my meaning he thought i meant because he had let himself be married at fifteen to a woman who only wanted his money he was paid for that poor boy in more than unhappiness for madame jumel disinherited him and she sewed a black patch over his face too saying that he had placed it there by hurting his character again as i looked she seemed to smile i became frightfully absurdly frightened and i slipped the bracelet from my arm she does not want me to have it i whispered mr kempwood laughed at me and even ridiculed me a little but it did not help then he took the bracelet and slipped it in his pocket i let him have it until i was myself again and then i took it back we were alone in a little back room at the time looking up at a high set cupboard which mr kempwood thought had once held much good english ale and he said he wished some of it would come back to haunt its home of long before since he was getting tired of bevo i'm ashamed i said give me the bracelet and he clasped it on and said now dear child no more nonsense but he was so gentle about this that it was not a scolding after that he said by george and looked at his watch dinner engagement he added quickly and a half hour overdue good-bye nat i'll see you monday or tuesday want to take you to the hippodrome but he saw me before that and he did not keep the dinner engagement he couldn't for he was unconscious at that time i thought dead End of chapter eleven